Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. For more information about us, visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. Because remember the definition of worship is to give someone the position of worth. To, to give someone the position of worth in your life. So who's worthy in your life? And that's something that we need to, to answer all the time. Who gets that position of worth? Because we were created for it. We were wired to worship. Isn't that cool? It comes naturally. We worship naturally. Naturally we worship. We don't even have to think about it. We worship naturally. We're wired to worship. The only question has always been who? Who we worship? What we worship? But because the worship just comes freely. It comes naturally. Everybody stop sweating. So the, the more I follow this word worship through the Old Testament, I keep finding and reading about people who ended up as special victims in this battle between good and evil. And so I want to share the message today titled, Law and Order SV. Now you give me too many. Law and Order, that's good, that's good. Law and Order SVU. Anybody watch Law and Order SVU? You know what we're talking about? Law and Order Special Victims Unit. True story. Let me show you how God works and how God confirms things. I've had this message on my heart the week and I'm praying about it and I'm like, oh, SVU, Special Victims, Law and Order, I don't know, I don't know. I take my wife and my kids to Manhattan. And because they love to hang out in Manhattan, we go into a pizzeria, and who do you think we run into in the pizzeria? Ice tea. Yes. Yeah, I mean, can God? Can, I mean, come on. Because <laughs> does God have a sense of humor? For those of you that don't know, because some of you look at me like, you found Ice tea at a pizzeria, so what? You know? No, Ice tea is the actor from Law and Order Special Victims Unit. Oh, now you see God's hand on it, right? Those are all the holy people that don't watch TV. They don't have no idea. So, so I mean, here we go into a pizza. What are the odds of that happening? Well, of us being in the same place at the same time at the same pizza joint with Ice-T and his porn star wife. What are the odds of that? What are the odds of that? And yes, her dress was down to here. It was, it was ridiculous. But, but we ran. I said, God, you are funny. You are funny. And so I'm like, I'm going forward with Special Victims Unit. Amen? If you watch Law and Order Special Victims Unit, you understand that it's a sign. It tells you in the beginning, the show is dedicated, the Special Victims Unit is dedicated to the most heinous crimes of a sexual nature. Right? Thanks, Barbara. But I, I want to talk to you today about the most heinous crimes of a worship nature. Okay? Special victims of, of a worship nature. And so in the book of Numbers, that thing is happening left and right. And the thing is, and I really want you to get this, history will repeat itself. Right? Do we agree? History will repeat itself again and again and again if we don't learn from it. And so, you know, we can talk about these events that happened so long ago in such a different time with such a different set of circumstances. Like, it's nothing like what, how we live today. And we can say, man, why? You know, what is that? What does that have to do with me? But the thing is, history repeats itself. And these things are happening again and again and again. And so, you know, we need to learn from it because these things are still happening every day to us, right? 
And, and so I want you to understand that, you know, we look at, the, we look at this Bible and, and we think, so many people think it's such a dead book. It's a book of old things. It belongs on a shelf with an encyclopedia. Just, that's funny. <laughs> it belongs on a shelf. I know, I remember my mother was so proud she bought us an encyclopedia when I was young. And she was so proud of that thing. I think she got took by those salesmen that come to your house and sell you encyclopedias. And so she probably spent like $8,000 on the thing, you know, the World Book Britannica or whatever, encyclopedia. And she would always get on my case, go to the encyclopedia, look at this encyclopedia. And I just had to pull it out. Yeah, okay. It's like it never meant nothing to me. It was a dead book of old stuff that's useless to me. The only time you guys know, now you have internet, but before us, you know, we didn't have internet. So the only time we pulled that out was when we had a book report or a project. You'd pull it out, you'd copy everything it says, and then you put it. Sorry. Sorry. I'm a mess. I'm sorry. That's the only time we used that thing. It was a dead book. But you need to understand the Word of God is alive and active and sharper than Luther says it has feet. It runs after me. It has claws. It claws. It tears into me. And we need to see the Word of God that way. Amen? The word is alive. And without the history of the Old Testament, we'll never fully understand the beauty of grace in the New Testament for us today. Amen? So I'm going to tell you one story from the book of Numbers. Just one and we're done. We're going to end early today. One story from the book of Numbers. And it's in chapter 16. And it's about a man named Korah. Korah. This man formed a rebellion. He rose up against Moses. He formed a rebellion. His whole crew, I I just picture the whole scene very gangster. His whole crew, you know, made up of his sons and members of the council and even over 250 members of people in power and in authority. And, and he rose up, you know, he, he, he came before the whole entire community and he, and he told Moses in front of people, he said, listen, man, what's up with, with you trying to be the leader of everything? You know, you the only one that talks to God and you the only one. And, and he accused Moses of having a pride issue. He said, you're full of pride and you're, you know what I'm saying? We all hear from God. The whole community's holy. Anybody heard that talk before? We don't need leaders. I don't need somebody to tell me what to do. We don't need pastors. We don't need leaders. We're all holy. We all hear from God. And yes, that's true. We don't, we're, not, we're not saying that's not true. But God puts positions of authority in us to, to change us. To, to, God works through authority. Amen? Somebody that can't submit to authority has got other issues that resolve is not going to take care of. So, this, this, um, so we see this even happening in our churches today. And, and so you know who the Korahites were. The Korahites were, um, they were the most, they had the most exalted duty among the Levites. The Levites were the high priests. If you remember all the other stuff, all the special victims that were killed because they did something wrong, it's because they did something that only the high priest could do in the Old Testament. So the Korahites, they were already the most exalted among, they had the best duty. There was their job to, to, to carry everything, every time the holy stuff was to be moved, every time God's glory moved and, and they needed to move, to tear up camp and move, only the Korahites can touch all that stuff. Because if anybody else touched it, they died. You understand? So only the Korathites can touch what was God's holy stuff. So he, he had a position of authority already, but he wasn't happy. He wasn't content in what God called him to do. Can I give you a little sidebar? Whatever God calls you to do, 
Don't compare it to what other people are doing. Amen? Whatever God called you to do, don't think that it's higher or lesser or, 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 or don't think that this gets more glory or this gets... The whole bottom line, it is what it is and it is what God called you to do. Amen? My, m- most of the team that you see leading this church, most of us started, I know I started, my wife and I started a nursery because we had little kids. So our first mis- ministry was nursery. I tell you all the time about David spitting on me and cursing at me and kicking me in the shins. It was a very glorious ministry in my life. The second ministry that I ascribed to, that I, that I elevated myself to, was the toilet ministry. And so me and my wife, we cleaned once a month or once, whatever, whenever the time came up, and we cleaned the church. And that meant all the toilets upstairs, and those were nasty. You know, and so, you, you know, you understand what I'm saying? Don't think of something higher or lesser. It's what God called you to do, so do it. Don't compare. We'll leave that alone. Korah is not satisfied with his high position and he starts challenging Moses. And he, he says Moses is prideful and he thinks, you know, only, only you can lead and follow God. But he challenges them there right in front of all the people. Listen, there is a right way to challenge authority and there's a wrong way to challenge authority. This is the wrong way to challenge authority. He gathered everybody. He formed this huge rebellion. He gathered all his boys and these were 250 spineless men who just agreed, yeah, whatever he says. You, you understand? They had nothing to base it on. They, had, they were like, yeah, whatever he says. And it was like, you know, you're prideful. And like, yeah, 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 you're prideful. You know, and, and you think only you can hear from God. Yeah, you think only you can hear from God. You know the instigators that stand behind the one, the one rebel rouser? And they're all, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what you think. That's what I'm talking about. You know, you make a lot of noise, you don't say anything. And that's that, exactly, that's what I'm talking about. You know, it was those kind of people, 250 of those kind of people, right? But, but these were people exalted and, you know, high positions and everything. So here's, here's, what, here's what happens. Look, 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 at, look at the awesomeness of this. Here's what happens. They challenge Moses and Aaron in front of all of these people with all of this back, right? So he's rolling with a crew of 200. These three men are rolling with a crew of 250 men and challenging these two guys two old guys in front of everybody right and and so first thing moses does is he prays how many know whenever you get confronted with something stop and pray your first reaction to punch somebody in the face is probably not a godly reaction amen that's good godly wisdom i'm dropping on you right the first reaction to kick and poison and kill someone or run them over with your car is probably not a godly reaction You'll probably be stepping in the flesh there for a minute. So the first thing that we learned from there, Moses stopped and he prayed. He got direction from God. And then look at what he does. This is the coolest thing in the world. He challenges him to a worship battle. Read the word. He challenges him to a worship battle. He says, I tell you what, I'm so convinced that God has called me to do what I'm doing. And since you're so convinced that God has called you, and since all of you believe that, that you know, what he's saying, then I tell you what, let's both worship. We'll have a worship battle. I imagine he threw on his leaves and he threw on his radio. Aaron broke out his radio and they started, you know, the 80s type of worship battle right, right there going on. And, and, and he says, so let's have a worship battle, Moses tells him. And whoever God accepts the worship, that's the one that God appoints. Isn't that a cool way to deal with something? 
He said, let's have a worship battle. He tells them, fill all of your censers with incense. Censers was this thing, you know, we, we still use them in the, in the older um, uh, Catholic church. In that, in that venue, there's a censer. It hangs with a rope and it fills with incense. And you go like this and the incense rises from it. That was their battle tools, right? He tells them, fill your censers, all 250 of them. Fill them with fire and with incense and, and worship to God. And we'll worship God and we'll let him decide who he accepts. So Korah and his two sidekicks, along with the 250 men, they show up for worship. The whole deal was, bring, come, step outside of your tent. Everybody lives in tents at this time. They're traveling, right? They're in the wilderness. They, so step outside of your tent with your family. So it was, you know, Korah and his, all his family, his children, everybody, step outside of the tent, meet in front of the tents with all of your family, bring your incense, bring your worship, we'll bring our worship and we'll see what God accepts. And so they do that the next day or whenever the, the day was, they do it and the entire nation is there to watch this and they, this worship battle starts and God tells Moses and Aaron, step away from them so you don't get hurt when I destroy them. Isn't that a good word? Ain't that what you want to hear when it's two against 253? You want to hear the voice of the Lord say, step away from them so that you don't get hurt. In other words, God says, I'm going to use such a large gat to blow this guy away that I don't want you to catch what's, what's coming down. You understand? It's going to be such a nuclear bomb that I'm going to drop on that tent. You need to back up because I don't want you to get hurt with them. And so look, look what happens though. Most of us would have stepped to the side and ran away just far enough to watch these fools get burnt up, right? We would have been like, all smug, you know, like, yeah, go ahead. Keep singing. Maybe sing a little louder. Sing a better song. Maybe sing a faster song. Nope. Whoa. Boom. There it comes. You're dead. You know, we would have enjoyed it. But no, Moses, it, Moses, it says immediately he, Aaron and Moses prayed and interceded for them. What a different spirit than most of us, right? He prayed and he interceded. These are his enemies that are rising up to take him out of power. And he prays and he intercedes for them. And then he, he, he prays for the 250 special victims of a worship crime. There's your special victims. 250 special victims and their families. Understand that they're kids. When I make a decision, my kids are, are affected. My kids, if I make a wrong decision, fathers, please hear me. If I make a wrong decision, my kids become special victims. That's a whole other message. The second thing he did, he, he pleaded with everyone else. He told Moses and Aaron, went to everybody, please step away. Step away from these guys. He, he extended the warning that God gave him, the grace. He extended that grace to the people. And he said, please, Candace, move away from her. Move away because it's going to be ugly. And, and so he interceded and he pleaded with people to step away from those that God is about to judge. The same attitude should be among God's people today. We should stay away from divisive, argumentative people. We should stay away from people that are always trying to tear something down or remove something, that are always want to complain and, and, and tear something down. We, the, that same attitude should be in us, that we would stay away from people like that. Amen? Should God be ready to deal with someone and we get caught because we're too close in the mix? Because we're too busy in there arguing and complaining instead of just backing off and saying, worship battle, go ahead. Who are you going to accept, God? Right? 
So the next moments, this is like right out of a diehard movie. The next moment, the earth opens up and swallows the three men and all of their families. How many of you be singing, vindicated, I am, I don't know what that song is, right? But, but you'll be feeling like vindicated, justified, say yes. Look, the earth opened up and swallowed them. But that wasn't enough. That was just for the special three that were really leading this thing. Then it says that fire came out from God and consumed the 250 men and everything that was theirs. Fire consumed. They said, you want to worship? Then worship gets, worship is a sacrifice. So fire consumed all of them so bad that the next command that Moses does after this is this whole scene is over. Moses says, go through all the charred bodies and all that and collect the 250 incenses, censers. We're going to hammer them down and we're going to coat the altar with them so that people will remember what happens when you become a special victim of a worship crime. Well, that's deep. But, but here it is. Look, at this point, Moses, God has already shown, or sidebar, when the ungodly rise up against you, even those that consider themselves godly, even those that talk a good godly game, when the ungodly rise up against you, challenge them to a worship battle. Amen? Don't argue, don't fight, don't, don't try to prove your point and don't try to be, be vindicated through words and try to prove and, and bring in witnesses. Just challenge them to a worship battle and let God decide whose worship he accepts. What would happen with every conflict in the church if the, every time a conflict arises, we challenge God, we challenge them to a worship battle and whoever God accepted, we'd follow. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wow! Most of like, the leadership in all the country would be wiped out, but... <laughs> but then there'd be true godly leadership leading the thing, right? Because it'd be a worship battle. And anytime somebody wanted to take that position, we'd worship battle. We'd bring out the radios and the incense and, and, and we'd battle to worship. And whichever one God accepted, unfortunately, the one that God didn't accept probably get bold, burnt up. So it'd be a little ugly. Okay. So at this point, God has already shown what he wants, who he accepts. And in the next breath, look what happens. In the next breath, the people are murmuring again. People are angry again. They're angry at Moses and Aaron because all of these men died. They're angry. They accuse him of killing God's leaders. How could Moses and Aaron make the earth open up and swallow men? How could Moses and Aaron consume everybody else in fire without no pyrotechnics or without any kind of special effects? They didn't have that back then. Anything that happened had to be God. But the people are so hell-bent are not serving God, that they, they start complaining and they, and they start sympathizing with the people that were, that were um, hurt. And in their eyes, the special victims weren't Moses and Aaron. They were falsely accused of pride and self-seeking and all that. In their eyes, the sympathy was with the ungodly people. And guess what? God reacts the same way towards the sympathizers. The same way. God's anger rises up the same way because those people sympathize with those that were against him Instead of with those that God already proved that he's behind. Somebody needs to learn something here. Listen to that. Here's this scene I want to picture. I want you to picture in Numbers 16, 43. People are murmuring. 
God is growing angry again. His anger is rising. Look at Moses 16.43. Moses and Aaron stood at the front of the tent of meeting. And God spoke to Moses, back away from this congregation so that I can do away with them this very minute. He tells him the same thing he told him about the other guys. He says, back away from the congregation because I'm about to wipe them all out this very moment. Sound angry? Instead, what, is, what do they do? It says, they threw themselves face down on the ground. And Moses said to Aaron, take your censer, fill it with incense along with fire from the altar and get to the congregation as fast as you can. Make atonement for them. Anger is pouring out from God. The plague has already started. Aaron grabbed the censer and ran into the middle of the congregation and the plague had already begun. He put burning incense into the censer and he atoned for the people. Verse 48, he stood there between the living and the dead and stopped the plague. He stood there between the living and the dead. Understand, look at this picture. God tells me, back away from the congregation because I'm about to smite them. I'm going to get rid of every single one of them. And instead of backing away, I, I tell Sal or I tell Gary or I tell Mark, I say, grab, grab an incense quick. Grab your guitar. Manny, grab the, grab the guitars and run into the congregation. And they would grab the instruments of worship and run in between all of you and just start to worship God and start to pray and start to intercede to save some of you. And it says he stood there between the living and the dead. And stopped the plague. Somebody say amen. amen. How is this relevant to us? That's the question, right? What in the world does that have to do with me? Well, let me break it down to you real quick in closing. It's really easy. What does all of this mean? What does it all represent for me and you today? The plague is sin. How many of you know there is a, a plague that is killing people by the millions daily? Yes? The plague is sin. We already know the plague has started. The plague has been killing people since the days of Adam and Eve. Today, the plague kills women, children, unborn babies. It leaves kids fatherless. It infects our minds. It causes us to neglect our own, to solicit our bodies, to molest, to abuse. It, it, I was going to look up a bunch of statistics and, and stuff, but I don't have to. Just read the news. Just look at your newspapers. The plague is in full swing. Just talk to a few people and you'll discover that in the hour and a half that, or two hours that you spend in church today, this plague has wiped out millions, sending people to an early death and into an eternity of separation from God. That's a serious plague. It's bigger than any disease. It's greater and more worldwide than hunger or the AIDS pandemic. This plague has visited families to the 10th and 12th generations of those who haven't accepted God. It's real, it's powerful, it's national, it's global, and it's still spreading. Family, the plague has started. And so if Aaron was the first high priest... And, and if, if it was Aaron's duty, his responsibility was to deal with everything concerning worship. If worship was his role, please get this. It was his responsibility as the high priest. If he performed his duties and did what he was supposed to do, then people through that worship... 
through the telling and the keeping of the law and the covering of for every law that we couldn't keep through that through that worship everyone else could be forgiven and have access to God and fellowship with God well then God who starts something he always follows it through amen when God starts something, he finishes. He doesn't abandon it. And so what he's chosen to accept as offering, as, as a covering for our sin back then, is still very valid today. And now the sacrifice, the covering that he provided once and for all, you guys know he sent his son to be the ultimate sacrifice, to be the ultimate covering, right? And he became, Jesus became our high priest, providing the covering, and he taught us how to be accepted once and for all. But the problem with the covering is that Unless you get under it, you're not covered. Please, please hear me. I'm, I'm finishing. Unless you get under the covering, you're not covered. Now, some of you, you, you know, you've made it a habit. You come to church and that's a great habit to start. You come under the covering of the sanctuary fellowship on Sundays. And, and so to some of you, the church is like an awning. And so you come under the cover on Sunday mornings. Hallelujah, it's good. The anointing is good. Yes, yeah, hot and sweaty, but, but we're working on the new building. Amen. Amen. We're working on that. But, but on, look at this on a spiritual basis, not on a, on a, I know you're like, I'm sweating more than you, so relax. So when you get under the awning, when you get under this covering, right, the church is like an awning, you get under the covering. The problem is when some of you leave, you're out from under the covering. We don't need awnings, we need umbrellas. Amen? So that when you have an umbrella, you open that umbrella, you're under the covering. Anywhere you go, the umbrella goes with you, the covering goes with you, you're always covered. Come on, that's good. Amen? You need to, we need to have the covering, not an awning. We need a covering that we stay under. The problem with the covering is that unless you get under it, you're not covered. The role of the high priest worship was to get people under the covering in the right way and make them acceptable to God. So the sacrifice is done. The covering has been provided. But now where's our high priest today? 1 Peter 2 verse 9. You are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into this light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. In the message it says it this way, but you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work. I'm the high priest. You're a priesthood. Do you, do you get that? You're a priesthood. The plague is sin. The plague has already started. The covering and the sacrifice has already been provided. But the priest is still missing in action. In some cases. You are the high priest. And family, the plague has already started. And like Moses, I want to encourage you today to take your censers filled with incense and with fire from the altar and get to the people as fast as you can and make atonement for them. Our role, family, our role, not mine, our role is to stand in between the living and the dead and stop the plague. Let's pray. Bow your heads.
Let's pray. The plague, the plague has started. We know so many, we know so many people. We know so many of our friends. We know so many of our family members are still not under a covering. We know there are so many that are infected by the plague. We know so many that the plague is about to wipe out. And, and so many of them are our closest friends. They're the people that we confide in. They're the people that we have relationship with. They're the people that, and, and it can't be, it can't be. We need to stand before the living and the dead and offer incense. Understand that incense in the Old Testament is a symbol of prayer. Because incense, like prayer, it goes up into the air and it rises up to the nostrils of God. Incense is a picture of prayer. We need to stand between the living and the dead and pray that God would stop the plague, at least in the part of the congregation where we stand. I'm going to ask every priest in this place to stand. And don't do it lightly. Don't stand because other people stand. Don't stand because you think I want you to stand. Understand that if you stand, you're understanding that, that, that the word says that, that I've been called to priestly work. I've been called to stand before the living and the dead and make atonement for them. If you're not standing, ask yourself why. Has the plague already gripped my heart to the point where I'm already dead? To the point where spiritually I'm already dead. Spiritually, I don't feel anything. Spiritually, I don't even feel bad for the things that I do wrong. I don't even, my moral compass is so way off because I've let it, I've let the plague get in, in my, like a virus. I've let the plague just get so inside of me that I don't even know what's good or bad anymore. I don't even know what's right or wrong anymore. And it doesn't even matter to me. That's a sign that you're already infected with the plague. The awesome thing about the word of God, the awesome thing about God's grace is that it's not too late because although in the Old Testament, though the plague killed and they were dead, in the New Testament, Jesus raises the dead back to life. Amen? And so you're, you're surrounded, if you're still sitting, you're surrounded by high priests who can simply breathe on you and bring you back to life. Would you look around, church? Would you take the place of the high priest? And would you look around and would you minister to those that might be sitting next to you? Would you, would you just ask the question of those that might be sitting next to you? Would you just extend a hand and breathe life and offer opportunity and offer living water so that everyone here would not leave the covering when they leave the place, but they, they would leave with the covering and with the plague reversed. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless.